welcome to the first episode of Think, Ergonomics and Human Factors. My name is Kim McAllister. Our first episode focuses on how to work from home ergonomically and safely, something we can all relate to as we adapt to life during the coronavirus pandemic. I spoke to two experts and to the Chief Executive of the Chartered Institute of Ergonomics and Human Factors. I hope you find it useful. Please share it and follow us as we share some of the wonderful knowledge and experience that the Institute has over the coming weeks. Hi everyone, my name's Kirsty. I'm the Travelling Ergonomist. So I help businesses with their corporate ergonomics programs. So I do anything from employee assessments all the way up to leadership training on how to implement ergonomics programs all around the world. Now we are finding ourselves in uncharted territory at the moment, aren't we, in terms of suddenly working from home. What are the main things we have to think about? It is definitely uncharted territory. Well, it's uncharted territory for some. I think as we transition to a larger percentage of people working from home, there are two things that are the main issues, really. The first one is to get our bodies into neutral postures. And that basically means making sure that we're working in a way that our body isn't awkward. It's not unnecessarily stretching. It's not bent and twisted in in these awkward ways. It's neutral and it's comfortable for our bodies. And the second is to make sure that we're moving regularly, because as we transition to home working, unfortunately it means we're probably going to move a little bit less just because it's a bit of a smaller environment we don't have the luxury of walking to meetings and meeting with other colleagues and things like that in terms of setting up your homeworking space i'm lucky i've got a desk and chair not everybody's going to have that potential in their home so what are the main things to think about i think a couple of the important things are to make sure that your back is supported as much as you can so even if that is the sofa sit on the sofa don't you know kind of sit awkwardly and slouch in the sofa try and sit so that your feet are planted on the floor as a first instance and if that means that you don't have back support you can't reach the back of your sofa then just keep adding cushions until you feel that support because then at least you are in a bit more of a neutral position and what about eye level that's the thing I'm always thinking about with screens you're absolutely right so if we can you want to put your laptop screen or if you've got the luxury of a monitor make sure they are at eye level and what that does it just brings your neck into that neutral position when you look down at a device a laptop or a phone or an ipad awkwardly it can actually increase the pressure on your neck and shoulders quite significantly. So it's really important that we do get those screens up to eye level. Clearly, if you don't have a laptop stand or or monitor, it's gonna be difficult to do that, but you can put your laptop on a box, a set of books. It doesn't have to be this fancy piece of equipment. That would be the most ideal, obviously, just in terms of health and safety issue. Having said that, though, you have to have a separate keyboard and mouse attached to that laptop because you don't want to be then typing with your arms up at the keyboard on your laptop. Yeah, this is the thing that um, employers are probably going to have to think of right now, what they can give to their employees if they're suddenly working remotely. So you would suggest a keyboard and a mouse. Anything else? As it stands from the health and, Ze- health and safety executive and uh, under the DSE regulations, we're not having to do DSE assessments at home. It's just a, a bit unreasonable to do that at this point. However, it is very vitally important that businesses do look after their staff at home and do supply them with guidance and advice. And I think at the very least, which is very much reasonably practicable, is a keyboard and mouse. And thirdly, a laptop stand, if we can get that. But 
you know, ultimately we can raise our laptops a different way, but certainly a keyboard and mouse is the most simple and cost-effective way of supporting our employees. Yeah, and people will probably find themselves working unusual hours. So what else can you advise them if they're not working, you know, their standard nine to five, nine to six or whatever they're used to? I think honestly, it's going to sound really common sense, but when you wake up in the morning, plan your day. And I would certainly in that planning stage, plan when you're going to have your breaks and plan when you're going to stop working. So for me, I'm an early bird. I will wake up around 6am, I will get up, do some stretching and plan my day. But around two o'clock is when I start to flag. So I know, I know that about myself. So from two till four, I'll either get onto phone calls or that'll be my time to take a break. And then I might go back to some work afterwards. Yeah, I think flexibility is definitely the thing for all of us to consider right now. But I think taking breaks is something we'll probably overlook, especially if we have children or other people in the house and we need to cram things in. I I think one of the biggest things I can tell people is no matter how good your setup is, I've got ergonomic equipment coming out of my ears at home. And if I set myself up perfectly, everyone thinks I'm going to be fine. Actually, if I sat here, even with a perfect setup for longer than an hour at a time, I would still be in some kind of discomfort. So my best piece of advice is to get everybody moving as much as you possibly can. And that doesn't mean you have to move to and do physical strenuous exercise. It means just get up, stand up, stretch that body out, get some water and come back again. It can be 30 to 60 seconds. If you could summarize three things for us to think about as we move to working from home, what would you suggest? think first things is definitely plan your day and I know that sounds really simple but it's so so important to do that number two is making sure your back is supported as much as possible so whether that's adding rolled up cushions or rolled up towels behind your lower back when you're in a chair or a sofa to give you that support and third of all if you possibly can get yourself a laptop kit. And if you can't get yourself a laptop stand at the very least, a keyboard and mouse and find a flat surface like a table or even a tray that you can place that keyboard and mouse and laptop on so that you can sit in a neutral posture and just move, move regularly. Hello, my name's Rachel Lewis. I'm a registered occupational psychologist and director at Affinity Health at Work and also at Birkbeck University of London. So what are the first things to consider if you've suddenly this week, for example, the schools are closed, you find yourself working from home? Yeah, I think the first thing to do before you do anything is to is to think about this thing called um, psychological boundary management. So working from home, one of the difficulties is that that it, it feels like home, not like work. So we need to try and find a way that we can designate a part of our home to feel like work. So whether that's, you haven't, you're lucky enough to have an office, if not, you need to have an appropriate space that ideally would have a desk and a chair, but if not just somewhere that you always go to and where you work from in your home. The reason for this is that it disrupts, it stops the disruption to the rest of your house, but also just makes you feel that you are at work in that particular place. I think it's also about before you start planning with yourself what your routine is going to be. I think we need to throw this idea out of of classic working hours because many of us are are going to have to juggle working from home with with homeschooling potentially or, or lots of other things. And so it might be um, I think lowering your expectations for the for the time being, giving yourself the time to bed in, 
but thinking about what days and what hours you're going to work each day and sticking to that. So you have a you have a routine that you stick to. This is your work routine that you go to your desk at the same time every day, regardless of how many hours that is. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? To You'd be tempted maybe to start in your pyjamas or, you know, bring your laptop into the living room and do it on the couch. But these are things we really have to avoid, aren't they? The problem is that if you if you do that, then you then firstly, you don't have this boundary management. So it's really hard to get in the headset of work. And secondly, then your work really disrupts your home. So one of the other things that happens is is we just we just because we're working from telecommunications and because we don't have those physical boundaries of like going to work or not we can just work round the clock and so therefore people rather than doing their working day will will have work completely occupy all their free time so yeah we we need that boundary as well to make sure that we look after ourselves and make sure that we have that that work life balance make sure that we do things like follow finish work at a set time so that you can actually have an evening, so that you can actually sleep as well. So what are the things that employers can do to make it easier for their colleagues and their employees to work effectively from home? I guess the first thing is the hygiene factors. So to make sure that they have access to the equipment they need, um, that the resources that they need to do their job. But secondly, I think employers should really role model this idea of flexible working or and not working around the clock. So so managers in teams need to talk to their employees about the the hours that they will be working and how they will be working and therefore um, and stick to it so if they're if they're going to email them out those times then to use something like delayed send um, or to just very clearly communicate this expectation that I'm working different times to you you don't have to reply immediately I understand that we're all going to be working in different ways and what about the social side of working? Because I know for me, that's what I'm already missing. Yeah, I think that I find this generally with, with remote workers, that social isolation is a big risk. And so what the literature says is that is that we shouldn't really work from home any more than three days a week, because above that, then we see team working decline and we see mental health decline. Obviously, at the moment, we don't have that choice. And so therefore, we have to see social isolation the risk of that is really important to make sure we consciously reach out to others. That might be people in our team. It might be people we directly work with, or it just might be might be anybody, anybody at work, colleagues, think people you think might be suffering, um, people you don't really have a good work reason to talk to, but just you're going to reach out. So keep those ad hoc communications that if we were in the office, we'd have because we'd walk past them in the corridor or, bit, or share the lift or whatever. And I would say in your breaks, do something that will enhance you and that you enjoy. So have a read of a book, um, go and stand in the garden, take a walk around the block. If you if you do that and like that kind of thing, do some meditation or some mindfulness. What are the alternatives? I mean, if we don't think about these things now, what are the risks to us? I think the immediate risks are that for, we'll see our mental health start to decline. So what we'll see is people will, will start feeling stressed, start feeling anxious. We're also going to see if we're not using those boundaries, um, we're going to start to see emotional exhaustion, which is one of the first first symptoms of burnout. I think productivity-wise, anywhere where there's a decline in mental health, we'll see a decline in productivity. As well as that, if we start to see our social relationships decline, the social relationships we have at work are what enables us to do our job. So there, we kind of have to think of this social relationship side as the glue 
that keeps us being able to work. And so if we don't have those social relationships and if they decline, then we can't do our work anymore. So we would see um, we would see over time and probably probably within within a month or so, we would see our social relationships, our team working relationships decline. We might see conflict happening, misunderstanding or withdrawal. And that means that we'd, we start to be unable to do our job. Hi, my name's Nusman Rashid, and I'm the Chief Executive of the Chartered Institute of Ergonomics and Human Factors. We are a professional body focused on integrated design to improve human life, well-being and system performance. Our members work across every industry from aviation to transport, manufacturing and the design of modern workspaces. A significant number of our professional members work in healthcare and the NHS. They bring with them a deep knowledge and understanding of how the application of ergonomics and human factors can make a significant difference to human life, well-being and safety whilst reducing the risks of harm associated with mental and physical health. This podcast is about a series that we will be producing in collaboration with other professionals who work in occupational medicine, occupational hygiene, risk and safety. We hope that by sharing our combined professional expertise and knowledge, we can provide sensible and practical guidance for the general public, as well as professionals on how to live and work safely. If I had to give one piece of advice, I think it is around the not touching your face. People touch their faces literally dozens of times every hour, and it is mostly subconscious. My personal advice to people would be, wear glasses to minimise touching of the eyes, and if you don't wear glasses, maybe get some with plain lenses. You can also keep your hands occupied by holding a stress ball or something similar, and if you really must touch your face, use your arm, which is likely to have a much lower chance of being infected. I would encourage people listening to this podcast to share it on social media and with friends and family. You can follow us on Twitter at CIEHF or on Facebook. Find the page for the Chartered Institute of Ergonomics and Human Factors. <laughs>